Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, this is where the best run. I always say it and I always mean it because it's true. This is an exciting day. This is the debut of our newest series, Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering presented by SAP. And we're very honored to be working with them. Lots of great content coming on this series and I'm very excited. So I have three buzz quotes to start off this debut episode. And this will give you an idea of what we're going to be talking about. Buzz number one is from a website called Inform. .tmforum.org. Listen up. The customer experience is as vital to the enterprise as it is to the retail customer. Just let that sink in for a second. Now I'm going to pummel you with a quote from Qualtrics.com. This is a little longer, and this will expand the concept of what we're talking about today. The most successful companies don't just react to problems as they occur. They try to predict and mitigate those problems before they ever happen. Experience management, which is called XM, there you go, is the process of monitoring every interaction people experience with a company in order to spot, and this is a good one, opportunities for improvement. That's very positive. And I have one quick third quote from Harvard Business School Press, an article called Loyalty Rules, How Today's Business Leaders Build Lasting Relationships. And the quote is, loyalty must be on a fast track toward extinction, right? Wrong. Okay. Now, let me tell you what we're really talking about today. Experience winning the hearts and minds of your customers, your employees, your partners. In a way, they're all your customers, right? It's vital to all enterprises in all seasons for all reasons. But here we are in a global pandemic, lots of disruption, lots of things not happening. And many companies didn't really pay enough attention to the finer details of experience before this all happened. Now everything is suddenly unpredictable and staying engaged with your stakeholders can become an all-consuming 24-7 challenge. It takes a lot of top of mind to be on top of it now. What should you be doing to ensure that you can always deliver, and listen up, this is important, predictable, expected experiences. We're going to talk about that. Even in these challenging times and in future challenging times, (laughs) disruption isn't going to take a vacation when this is over. I guarantee that. And most important, how do you know if you're doing it right? Well, I have two experts on the topic to kick off this debut episode. We're so honored. And I'm here on Zoom with them and I can see them smiling and I know they're excited to share their thought leadership with you. We have rising CEO, Mike Maiolo, and we have SAP's global head of partner experience, Terry Hammond. They're going to share their insights, their thought leadership, their ideas, their point of view on this first episode called Wake Up Call. Will your customers stick around and still love you? post-COVID. I am Bonnie DeGram. Thrilled to be here. And now it's not about me. It's about my experts today. Mike Maiola, would you please introduce yourself to everyone? Tell us a little bit about what you do, what is rising, and also share with us what's your passion for this topic. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Bonnie. It's so nice to be here with you and Terry today. So my name is Mike Maiolo, and I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Rising. We are a global uh, consulting services and uh, SAP reseller. Um, focused on taking SAP's cloud technology tool set to market. 
so that we can help our customers become best run companies with SAP technology. Uh, we operate in around 17 countries around the world, and we think of ourselves as the big boutique. And just to elaborate, uh, we believe we bring the high value add and customer experiences of a boutique, but with global scale of a larger integration partner, so thus the big boutique. In terms of uh, my passion for the topic, and first of all, hopefully it wasn't a wake-up call, although mm -hmm. I do love the sound of that. Um, but to me, focusing on our employee experiences, and I loved how you said customers, employees, partners, they're all customers. I totally agree with that. But if we're not offering um, the experience that our employees expect and giving them the tools to bring the experiences that our customers expect, then where are we really? And the answer I would say is not very far along. Um, so I'm really excited to be here to talk about the topic. Thank you very much, Mike. And I have to tell everybody, rising is spelled with a Z, R-I-Z-I-N-G, in case you want to find them. So thank you for joining us, Mike. Thrilled to have you. And Terry Hammond, you're next. Terry and I are both redheads, but she, she started being a redhead long before I did. So I just had to acknowledge that. <laughs> Terry, we're delighted. I know how busy you are with your duties at SAP. So why don't you tell us what you do and equally tell us what's your passion for the topic. Terry Hammond, welcome. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here, Bonnie. It's an honor to be here with yourself and Mike. Um, I'm Global Head of um, Partner Experience at SAP. I've been in tech for over 25 years, uh, and I've had a variety of different roles um, at a multitude of, of different companies, from very small startups to very large companies like SAP. I recently took on the experience role uh, within the last year because uh, SAP has a very focused, concerted effort towards, I would call, delivering on the trifecta of experience, which is really addressing customer experience, partner experience, and our employee experience. And so I have a lot of passion about that topic because it is something we take uh, seriously. We have put a lot of time and effort and intellectual capital behind the experience quotient and how we as a company can transform our relationships and have that focus on experience. Because at the end of the day, we're not just competing with other companies, but we're competing with the, the best experience that someone has had last, regardless of what company that has been with. So it is a, a topic I'm extremely passionate about, and I look forward to spending some time with you and Mike and talking about experience. Thank you, Terry. If you think about it, we've always had an experience when we deal with a company, whether we're buying something in a retail store, whether we're buying in a B2B environment, right? How was your experience? Was it a good one? It was just kind of under the radar. We've all been experiencing experiences forever. And now it's got a name and it's got two letters, XM Experience Management. And that's why it's exciting to talk about it, in a, at least for me, in a very formal way. So thank you both for your introductions. Now it's the time of the show where I have asked my guests in advance to pick a quote that has nothing to do with the topic from a movie, a book, a song. And we've got two very interesting movie quotes here today, and they're going to explain in their own words how it relates to the topic. So we'll get to know a little bit about their culture choices, and we'll get to know a little bit about how they think and speak. Mike Maiolo at Rising sent me a quote from Braveheart, 1995 American 
epic historical fiction war film directed and co-produced by da, 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 Mel Gibson, who also pl- portrays William Wallace, a late 13th century Scottish warrior. I'm just going to stop there. By the way, it was nominated for only 10 Academy Awards at the 68th Academy Awards Oscar ceremony, and it won five Best Picture, Director, Cinematography, Makeup, and Sound Effects Editing. So there. Listen up. This is a long quote, and then Mike will tell us what it has to do with our topic. The quote is, there's a, I can't pretend to do an accent because I don't know the Scottish accent, so I can't really do that. But there's a difference between us. You think the people of this country exist to provide you with position. I think your position exists to provide those people with freedom. And I go to make sure that they have it. Mike, how'd I do? Very well. I love it. Thank you. Accent free. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> t- tell us how this works. What is this quote all about? Uh, Thank you, Bonnie. And first of all, I just happen to love the movie. But to me, uh, the quote's about leadership. And in the movie, there are great examples of leadership, both good leadership and poor leadership. And if you think about the, the notion of, as a leader, asking yourself, why do I exist? If you believe that the employees exist in the company so that you can be the CEO, you're off to a bad start. I believe that as CEO and by extension, my executive team exists solely for the reason of providing an experience for our employees and tools for our employees to position them to deliver great experiences to our customers. And so if we focus on that as our reason to live, we're going to be ahead of the game. Thank you very much. That was a very profound quote, and I like the way you explained it. Thank you. Thank I you. think, Mike, I think we've all had experiences in our coming of age in our careers. I'm on my seventh career, so it's, it's very <laughs> scattered, but uh, no, seriously. But I think we've all had those experiences where a CEO or an HR person thought we were there for them to have their title and their job, and it was all about them. And in, back in the day, you didn't say anything. You never said anything. You just either stayed in the job and put up with it or you left. That was it. And today we get to talk about it, not just today on the show, but in this environment. We want to know what are those experiences because companies are more aware that they need to care. Right, Mike? Absolutely, they do. And to me, one of the things that's changed is we used to ask employees about their experience from time to time. And we used to ask our customers how we are doing from time to time. Now, with the way technology has evolved and social media has uh, evolved, they're telling us whether we want to hear it or not. And so (laughs) if you don't stay focused on that experience, it's going to take place and it's either going to be good or bad and you're going to suffer the consequences or reap the benefits. Absolutely. Uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, anything. They're like like the Yelp of how's my company doing, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> never thought of it that way. Thank yeah. you for the great quote. Appreciate it. Terry has sent us a movie quote as well. We love movie quotes, Terry. And Terry's quote is from an iconic film. Forrest Gump, 1994, American, every, both these movies were epics. Everybody gets to call their movie epic if you won enough awards. American epic romantic comedy drama film directed by Robert Zemeckis. And it was based on the 1986 novel of the same name by Winston Groom, Forrest Gump starred Tom Hanks, Robin Wright, Gary Sinise, Mylecky Williamson, and Sally Field. And the story depicts several decades in the life of Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, played by Hanks, and I'll just, if anybody hasn't seen it like I haven't, go on Wikipedia, read about it, and then go see it. I've got to find it. Here's the quote, and I will do this. I'll try to make it accent-free, Terry. My mama always said, 
life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Terry, beautiful quote. What in the world does it have to do with our topic? Go ahead. <laughs> well, very well done. And as a girl from Tennessee, <laughs> I felt I should pick a, a quote from a, a, a movie from the South. But um, in reality, if you think about you know, what he's really saying there about life and the unpredictability of life and comparing that to a box of chocolates um, and the fact that unless you constantly eat that same box of chocolate every single time and you know exactly what's in that box, it can be unpredictable. You, you may not know what you're going to get next. You may not know if what you're going to have after the first one is going to have the same uh, flavor, the same experience, the same texture uh, as the piece you ate before. And so the parallels I draw to it as to what we're talking about today really is the parallels of whether it's a new customer. So think of a new customer and they have no experience with you at all, with your company at all, regardless of what company you are from. And when they come in and they think of it and contrast it to the box of chocolate, they're not really sure what they're going to get. And you have one shot to capture them and to make a connection with them. So ensuring from a quality and experience and delivery, ensuring that that initial experience with your company compels them and creates a connection with them that makes them want to do business with you going forward, it's hugely important. But then contrast that also to uh, customers that you've had for a long time or employees or partners who've been doing business with you. It's having that predictability of the experience because they've already taken a bite of chocolate from that box <laughs> and they liked it because they're staying with you. They're still an employee. They're still a partner. They're still a customer. But that predictability, that repeatability of delivering a beautiful experience, they've come to expect it. So when you're unable to actually deliver it, now you introduce a whole new dynamic. So that's why I felt that whether applying it to net new customers or employees or partners or existing, I think that life is like a box of chocolates. It's that unpredictability. And how do you make the unpredictable predictable going forward? Thank you, Terry. You made me very hungry. I'm a chocoholic, I have to admit. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop the show and run and get something from the other room. Uh, seriously, I, I didn't detect the Tennessee accent. I don't know where it went, but I, I think I didn't detect it at all. So that was a surprise. Really appreciate that. Well, I grew up and, in Chicago. Oh, well, that says it all. And I'm from New That's York, fine. and I don't even have a New York accent, so we're all, we're all equal here. Uh, question for you. that The concept of predictability is interesting. I love the metaphor of the box of chocolates, Terry, because if you think about it, once somebody has tasted a good experience with your company, they do expect something equally good, right? And they will come back because chocolates, <laughs> you want more. You always want more. Yeah. And, and But being able to say, well, maybe that one tasted a little bit different, but I'll still give it a chance because you mentioned compelling. And I mentioned in my, one of my opening quotes, loyalty. We know that the next chocolate will probably be equally good or a surprise that could make us happy in a different way. So there's that, that loyalty thing. Thank you very much, Terry and Mike. Very appreciative that you took the time to pick quotes. Not everybody gets what those quotes are for, and you two did. So thank you very much. Now it's time for the real roundtable. We have been going around the table. If you're just tuning in, this is the debut of our newest series, Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering, presented by SAP. And our topic is wake-up call. Ding, ding. Will your customers stick around and still love you 
post-COVID. And I'm here with Mike Maiolo at Rising, Rising with a Z, and Terry Hammond at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to dive into our roundtable now. We have so much great information to cover. So I'm going to read a little bit from Mike's statement number one he sent me before the show and ask Mike to take about two minutes, expand it, add to it. And then Terry, I'll ask you to agree or disagree. I think I know where this is going to go. Terry, take about two minutes to respond, and then I'll pick a statement. Mike, if you want to bounce back to Terry and embellish anything, that's fine. And then I'll pick a statement from Terry, and we'll go around back and forth, and let's see how much we can share with our listeners. So Mike Maiola told me the following. He said, the wrong time to assess the experience we're delivering at work and with our customers and partners was when COVID hit. I'm just going to stop there, Mike, and let you expand this for us, please. Mike? Yeah, thank you, Bonnie. You know, in our careers, we've all had bosses or work associates or customers that have influenced us in different ways. And a long time ago, I had a boss that talked a lot about If you're examining what your customers care about or what your competitors are doing, don't look at their feet, look in the direction they're pointed. Mm. If you think about that for a second, the pace of play in the work environment is changing so quickly that if we try and react to what's happening, aka figure out what to do when COVID hits, it's too late already. If you um, aim where your customers' feet are, by the time you get to where their feet were, They've moved on and ahead of you. And so to me, one of the challenges of leadership is to be thinking, what does the next 12, 24, 36 months look like? And for us as a company being uh, pretty uh, remote to begin with, and though we have almost 1,000 people operating around the globe, we only have 10 offices, so most people work remotely. We've had to have a plan and tools and technology for our employees to give them access to the experience they'd have as if they were all together anyway, when they're not. And so I think we were in a a good position to be able to shift quickly when our people who typically would travel to a customer site and operate in a conference room, uh, looking eye to eye uh, with the people they were trying to design processes and strategies and uh, put technology in play with, we, we had good tools and we had a plan to be able to do exactly that, but do it remotely. And I think about that as just one example, because maybe the next example, because if you think about, okay, there's COVID and the pandemic is with us, maybe travel doesn't return to what it used to be. And hopefully it doesn't return to what it used to be. Now, I do believe that these customer relationships are Uh, deeper and made um, more meaningful when you spend time together. So I think it is important to be able to, when appropriate, get back out and spend social uh, and quality time face-to-face. But I think that the world has changed and we're going to have to have the ability through technology uh, and processes to deliver the type of work that, that we deliver remotely and to do training and have all of those employee experiences operate not the same way, but in equivalent ways when we can't be in person. Thank you very much. Preparation, interesting, because, Mike, a lot of companies thought years ago, what, let my employees work remotely? Will I be able to control them? Will I be able to find them when I need them? How will our customers apart? And and it was an investment in a style, a culture of work that has paid off now. Very interesting. Terry, love to get your thoughts 
I'm just going to say it, agree or disagree with Mike. Don't be afraid to disagree. It's okay. It's a safe space. Go ahead, Terry. <laughs> well, Mike knows me. I'm, I'm not shy. I'll, I'll disagree if I, uh, if I uh, okay. feel like it. But, I've prepared yeah, mentally um, for it, Terry. Don't worry. <laughs> he's got his Braveheart armor on. He's, he's, uh, he's waiting for my objections. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, I think what it gets to is we have all been – faced and challenged with the fact that we're going to have to continually rethink the future of work. And I think that that is where a lot of companies were caught off guard, is that we did not have a holistic approach or plan in place in case of disruption, whatever that disruption might be. And having a pragmatic approach to how do we serve our customers, our partners, our employees, in the midst of disruption? How do we make them productive? How do we continue to have an emotional experience? How do we deliver a human connection if we're moving to the non-digital? To Mike's point, if if we're all used to, and I, same with me, I was on a plane probably 75% of my time. Mm. Um, and as we shift from that and having those connections um, and, and also helping our employees have a balance of, of work life. And, and I know that sounds cliche, but it's even more prevalent now because the line has been blurred between work and home. Uh, we have employees who are faced with the fact that they have young children or they have maybe elderly parents that they're caring for. And they're faced with a situation where we've now inserted the work environment into their home environment. And so it becomes very difficult to separate those two worlds. And so I think going forward, companies are going to have to have a much more forward-looking plan as the dynamics of work life and the changing future of work. How do we respond? How do we prepare ourselves? How do we ensure that we can pivot quickly? The companies that will be able to pivot quickly Mm -hmm. in the future will be the ones that will be the successful and and emerge from whatever the crisis might be or whatever downturn might, might hit us they will be the ones who emerge stronger. So I agree with what Mike has said. Thank you very much, Terry. Very insightful. And and I'm thinking of, uh, can you imagine a job description? You go to apply for a company and they say, we embrace remote working. We have the tools, Mike. We have the tools. We have the culture to enable you to work. We trust that you'll be a self-starter, that you will be part of a team, but we are going to tell you in advance that we expect you to work remotely and be a successful team member because we know what we're doing in that new work culture. Can you imagine reading a job description like that and saying, yeah, that's really cool. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, Bonnie, one of the things you just hit on is about culture. And Mm -hmm. so in the intro, what you talked about is, you know, old school business environment, we we would always say the reason we need a big office location is we can't trust people. Let's put them in one place we can keep an eye on. (laughs) Well, what if we take the opposite approach Mm -hmm. and we say, let's build a company culture of trust, but let's make sure people are clear on what our expectations are. Let's build loyalty and motivation which isn't the same, but helps complement that loyalty so that people actually work from home and do it more efficiently because they appreciate that work-life balance. They've added extra time where they were commuting before that they can um, split between home and and work and still bring a a huge success story to the table. But, But it's about trust instead of putting them in one place and watching them. 
Thank you. Good point. Big, big mama, big papa's watching you. Terry, any comments on that? Any thoughts on that trust culture? Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And and it's something uh, you know I went through personally uh, with a, a number of people in my organization where they had been set up in large groups and in offices. Um, we did not have the infrastructure uh, in, initially in place to support them working remotely. And I think the interesting thing that we found as COVID uh, hoisted all of us out of the office and into into our home environments, our productivity actually went up. So we saw no reduction in our productivity, even within my own team um, with COVID. And we took the time to ensure that they had the right equipment that took us a little bit of time. But despite that, we saw no no decrease and actually saw an increase in productivity. So to, to Mike's point, um, they don't need somebody watching them 24-7. Um, if you trust your workers and they know that they have your trust, they will come through for you. And I think that's been a huge learning, not only myself, but across SAP, is that this remote model can really work and actually be more successful um, than you know putting everybody in, in offices going forward. So it, it opens up a, a whole new paradigm going forward. Thank you. And I'm going to hark back to the old days when you went to a, an interview and you either were impressed or not with the location, with the accessibility to travel. I was on Long Island. I, I ended up, well, actually, I was in Oregon and I remotely got job descriptions way before the internet. Oh, am I dating myself? And I went on, uh, I think, 12 job interviews in five days and I got five offers. And the one I picked, and you're going to laugh at me and it's okay, the one I picked had the nicest lobby and the nicest. <laughs> Because <laughs> the pay was about the same and they were all pretty. And the company was a horrible place to work. And not only that, they moved three months later from a Park Avenue address to a dump on Ninth Avenue in New York. That was where people were getting mugged, getting into taxi cabs outside the building. And it was just awful. I couldn't wait to get out of there, but I learned my mistake. You know, they judge a book by a cover, judge a company by its by its lobby, by the, the person who greets you, by the office space. And we don't do that, Mike, right? And Terry, when we're, we're working remotely, you might have a completely different... Terry, if I was applying for a job with you and I met you on Zoom and you had this fabulous background here, uh, your, your SAP logo <laughs> and, and your, your wheel of innovation, economics, experience, next generation partnering, I would say that's a really cool place to work. I would still be visually find it appealing what was what your background was because that's a representation of your brand, right? And Mike yeah. is with this fabulous brick wall and I'd say, gee, what a cool, funky <laughs> place to work. I want to be part of that brick wall. So I'm, I'm just saying there were other sides to, to being into an office. Let's move on. Terry, I'm looking at your statement number one you sent me and I'm looking at the second part. And this I think is very interesting. You wrote to me in 2018, Forbes estimated that bad customer experience was costing business is $75 billion a year. The main finding of the study was that companies are failing to create a positive emotional experience with their customers. COVID further complicates us by limiting the opportunity for direct human interaction. So Terry, why don't you take this run with us a little bit? We'll see what Mike says, and then we'll keep going. Go ahead, Terry. Absolutely. And and the study was, was really interesting because they said what what this has created, and, and it gets to the comment I made during the intro, which is we're not just competing for our customers, our employees, our partners against our own direct competitors. We're competing against other companies who have been able to deliver a really beautiful experience. 
And in that study that Forbes conducted, they found that companies who actually created that emotional connection with a customer, an employee, or a partner um, did not see the decrease or the drop-off in terms of the uh, loyalty, which is something that, that you brought up. Mm-hmm. But companies that failed to address that, who failed to create that emotional or that human, let's call it a human connection, with their customers, their partners, their employees, um, they actually saw a a marked decline in terms of of their business. And one of the interesting statistics that they had when they surveyed those customers to say, okay, why have you shifted? Um, The the customer said that in 86% of the times, those customers said they would have remained a loyal customer um, had that company establish that emotional connection with them. And just think about that. Think about the the impact that 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 could have and how it should shape and focus us moving forward on, especially with COVID. And then we just talked about, you know, the benefits of moving remotely and having a workforce that is moved remotely and maybe some less travel. How do we now create that emotional connection um, when we are all, you know, missing kind of that face-to-face human interaction. So I think the thing that we're all going to have to address going forward is how do we create that human connection going forward? And an important thing to remember is that when we don't do that, we are at risk of creating a situation where both our customers and our employees are, you know, serial switchers. So that that stickiness, that stickiness of our business that makes customers, that makes employees, partners want to work with us, mm-hmm. want to take the journey with us, they're going to start looking elsewhere for who's going to deliver that beautiful experience for them, who is really going to know their needs, their desires, and establish that connection with them going forward. So I think for all of us, the paradigm that, that COVID has highlighted is the more and more that we move to this virtual world, we can't lose sight of that human connection because the human connection is what creates the stickiness of our business model. So that was really the, I found that study to be quite interesting. I think it's something that we have seen um, through, you know, surveys that we've done uh, of our partners, the fact that we're listening to partners, that we are uh, connecting with partners and, and most companies who undertake an experience effort, they, they see the similar results. You establish that connection, you follow through on what you say you're going to do, and you establish that emotional relationship or human connection with your customers, your partners, um, they stay with you. So that was the that was the point of it, Bonnie. Thank you, Terry. We really appreciate the the statistic and the fact that it was 2018 is just close enough to before COVID, just a little bit when the world was, I'm going to say normal, not anymore. So a lot of relevance to what they said and, and the impact of that study will continue. Mike, join us. Agree or disagree with either Terry's commentary and or the study. What do you think, Mike? Well, I absolutely agree. Although it would be so much more fun, Terry, if I could say I disagree, but but I happen to agree, so I have to be honest. But I was Bonnie, I was sort of thinking about this when you were talking about you're selecting the company based on the lobby. And there's really a tie back to this relationship and connection with employees and customers. And, and this is what I think it is. I think that the expectation, especially that the younger generation have, is that they want something deeper than a superficial lobby or a superficial connection. 
And so the, the way I tie that back to what we do in everyday life in order to meet the expectations and earn these trusted relationships with our customers and partners is you actually have to shift the way that you approach that relationship. And if you spend your time presenting, boy, we have this incredible demo. We've got this slick PowerPoint. Look at our lobby. We have a nice, cool statue in there. <laughs> That's not what people care about. And so if you spend your time empathizing and listening and taking the time to do the research to understand what's unique about the industry that this customer's in and what is their experience so that you come to the table more to build a long-term approach to solving problems, not a short-term approach to presenting a cool object to or service to sell. I think that's what begins to differentiate, begins to build a more meaningful human touch connection. And I think over time, the, those vendors that get that right aren't just winning RFPs, they're avoiding RFPs, meaning they're winning business based on the relationship they've built and the value that they're bringing to the table. Thank you, Mike. Not in my defense, but I'm going to add another wrinkle, if you will, if I'm allowed to use that word. When you go to a place of work and you're going to be part of that team, that company, you're going to go there every day. That's what used to be. Would you be happy going in that door? Would you? Would that office make you feel comfortable or secure that you could work efficiently and are the acoustics good? And is this a place you'd be happy to have your family come to visit you or you'd be able to take a picture? And the, the physical aspect of it. But today, think about this. Where we work is our home. Is this an environment where we want to work? Do you love your desk? Do you have privacy from your kids, your spouse, caregivers, parents? Terry, you mentioned taking care of elderly parents, uh, homeschooling kids. So the whole shift, Mike, in a way is, do I like the entrance to my, I love my office, by the way. I designed an office. It's just, I, I just love going in this room. It's got French doors. It has a view to my garden. I've got all my radio equipment here. I've got all my big screens. I have books I've read and from my radio guests. And the question is, are we helping our employees who are working remotely? We're giving them the bandwidth to work remotely and we have to. Are we helping them design a workspace? that they're happy to work in. I don't think anybody's talked about that yet. I'm not, I'm not putting that on our topic, but certainly, and Mike, I want to bounce this over to your statement number four, which is very interesting for our, our next topic. You say technology contributes to creating the right environment. Simplified, agile, streamlined processes take the hassle out of daily work. So that's the tech side of where do you work how happy are you to be at work in the space where you're working? We got, we're bodies, we're physical matter. We have to work somewhere. So, Mike, why don't you talk about how tech can help? And then, Terry, we'll see if you agree or disagree. Mike, go ahead. Thank you, Bonnie. And listen, I think it's a, a technology is a vital part of making that home working situation something that's palatable. Because think about it for a second. If all you did is change the geography, so you're going to do the exact same job, but you're going to do it at your home office instead of at work. And all you have is a telephone and a computer. I don't think that's enough. So one of the points I was making earlier about sort of anticipating this business of working remotely and having tools and processes to, to carry the day is we had to invest in things that allowed our employees to simply go through the business processes that they had to go through with our company. Uh, not a commercial message, but we're using SAP technology to build the future of those business processes. And I think it's a great way to showcase if you have a big employee manual and you expect the employee to look through it and figure out what's supposed to happen, that's not going to work. 
If you give them access to technology that through a couple simple clicks along the way, make it easier for them to understand how things are supposed to work, then they'll take the time to figure it out. And again, working from home is challenging in a lot of ways. And if you don't provide you know, the video conferencing and the ability to feel more connected to your peers uh, by seeing each other, and you know, one of the tools that we've used is to have like a social cocktail hour Zoom get together where employees will showcase their newly found ability to play guitar or a, a, a new drink that they've mixed. Because part of the thing is you can't expect people who now have more time available who haven't traveled into the office, into the office, excuse me, to just take that time and be laser focused every second on work. You've got to provide some other experiences as well so they feel more tied back and connected to their associates. So I think there's lots of things technology can do to enhance that experience. Thank you very much. Terry Hammond, join us. What do you think? Agree or disagree? Terry? Well, I would like to disagree uh, only to the extent, and I'm, and I'm a tech person. So this is a tech person disagreeing, right? Um, so I, I, I think it goes back to how do we still create an emotional connection? And the challenge that I have seen, I've experienced personally, I've, I've heard from our customers, from our partners, our employees is the technology cannot alone replace the experience we're trying to deliver. And the ability to create that connection, that human connection is harder and harder when we have to rely on current technology today. So I think from a a standpoint of what do I disagree with, I think that we are gonna have to really rethink the remote delivery of an experience. Um, And I can tell you, um, being someone who has to repeatedly have back to back to back to back phone calls, 12, 14 hours a day, Zooms and Skypes and Teams and everything else that is thrown at us from a mix of different types of platforms that we leverage to communicate. I think we're going to really have to force ourselves to be more forward looking, forward thinking to say that there's such a fatigue right now mm-hmm. uh, with people who you know, have stopped traveling, who yep. are not able to have face-to-face meetings. They're relegated to these electronic tools and it, it isn't, it's getting us somewhere. Um, we're able to conduct business, but I also think we really have to look and rethink for the future of how we deliver beautiful experiences. How do we really, and I think a key to this is going to be, um, and it's a concept that I call know me. Mm. And I know it sounds a little strange or a little, a little different, but the fact is that when we can engage with someone and they don't have to consistently restate who they are, where they're from, have they done business with us? Do they have a contract with us? When they come and, and they interact with us, they interact with our systems, they interact with our companies, regardless of what company, what industry, doesn't matter. The ability to recognize them, to recognize their needs, to recognize their experiences with us in the past is going to be huge from a predictive capability because when we can leverage predictive and sentiment and other types of, of insights, we can assure that we can connect with them on a more human level that just doing a Zoom call does not accomplish today. So I really think forward-looking, looking at to predictive, really understanding and knowing and being able to anticipate better, whether it's an employee, 
right, going through some sort of life change, or it's a customer who's had a consistent issue, having some of those predictive insights so that every time they come and interact with someone in our company, they don't have to start over again. Um, And we have that ability to anticipate rather than react. And I think the anticipating that gets back to the quote you you gave at the beginning, that ability to anticipate is going to be mm-hmm. a huge competitive advantage for most companies to retain employees, to avoid churn, and to retain and keep happy customers going forward. Thank you, Terry. Very, very interesting. Mike, anything you want to respond back to Terry? Well, first, I actually am happy she disagreed because I like the way she put it. And I'll just add, I think the technology is simply the enabling tool. And if you don't take the focus on that experiential piece that Terry alludes to, and all you do is provide technology, well, that's not going to work. But if you focus on the experience, the relationship, the loyalty, and you enable all of that with the right technology, that's the right package, I think. Thank you very much. Great conversation. I think we have time for one more topic. I'm going to read a little bit from Terry's statement number three. This goes to how do we do all of this wonderful process, this wonderful trust building that we're talking about. It's got to start somewhere, right? So Terry says, building world-class experiences that span across customer, partner, and employee dimensions should be a board-level mandate for every organization. Terry, run with this for about two minutes. We'll see what Mike says, and then we'll go to our crystal ball predictions round. Go ahead, Terry Hammond. Great. Happy to. So I'm so passionate about this because everybody talks experience. But at the end of the day, in in the heat of running business, in the heat of meeting, you know, quarterly objectives or hitting our revenue targets or whatever whatever KPIs or objectives those, those might be, we lose sight, right? And experience begins to take a backseat. And so what I've seen in terms of other companies I've engaged with, I've spoken to, I have, the, I have the great pleasure and honor to work with hundreds of companies every year in multitudes of industries. Um, and those that have a concerted board level um, focus on experience, on employee experience, on customer experience, on partner experience, as we talked about the trifecta. You can't just do one and ignore the others, right? So that trifecta of experience, of, of delivering that holistic experience is, is hugely important to companies going forward. And one thing I want to say is that we all have to remember a negative experience lasts a heck of a lot longer and does much more damage than a good experience brings value to a company. And a couple of things I just want to hit on. Negative experiences, we've all heard the fact that a negative experience could cost us in terms of top-line contribution. Um, It could cost us in terms of brand damage in the marketplace, right? But then if you you look at it more holistically, there's a much greater ripple effect of that, right? So it also diminishes the customer lifetime value in terms of the net profit that we would be able to expect from a customer over their lifetime. So that takes a hit. Employee satisfaction takes a hit. So when we don't have a focus on experience and we're delivering negative experiences, that ripples throughout our organization and has a massive impact in employee churn, right? And then the last piece of that is when you're forced to address the fact that when a negative experience impacts your top line, you now have to deal with the consequence of loss of profitability. So we all get caught in this ending, never-ending spiral of I have to do this 
which means I have to cut costs because my top line is down because I'm consistently de delivering poor experiences. And then you get caught in that endless cycle because when you start cutting costs and using that as a way to try to address it, you are then also faced with the fact that you got to spend a heck of a lot of money on advertising and other things to repair the damage that has been done. So um, just to net it out, what I've seen is companies that have had this concerted effort um, around the trifecta, but have also, it's board sponsored, it is board monitored, and then you actually attach it to people's compensation. So when you take NPS or other metrics and KPIs and you tie it to people's compensation, you will get their attention. Um, experience will become top of mind for them. And you will see a massive transformation in the relationships with your partners, your employees, and your partner. Thank you, Terry. A lot of great information. Mike Maolo, uh, briefly comment. Agree or disagree? I think I know where you're going with this. Go I'll ahead. be quick. I, I totally agree. And I'll just add the reason for it is that you cannot afford to leave it to chance. You've got to make it so part of the strategy and culture of the firm driven from the board through the rest of the company, that it's not a coincidence, it's an expectation. Oh, that was profound. Thank you very <laughs> much. Thank you very much. Now we're going to go briefly to our crystal ball predictions round. Some people call this the lightning round. I'm going to hold you each to 60 seconds for a prediction on the topic. You can predict as near term as tomorrow. And by the way, we are recording this show. It's Friday, September 25th, 2020. Oh my goodness. Where has the year gone? And I can't wait for this one to be over. So Mike Maiolo at Rising, I'm going to give you 60 seconds to predict on the topic, or if you feel like a sports prediction, if anybody you're favoring or betting on is playing, that's fine too. 60 seconds. What's going to change between tomorrow or 2025? You set the term. Mike, go. Thank you, Bonnie. Quickly. My generation is not going to be able to just wait to retire to avoid embracing the use of these new technology tools to change our work experience and our life experience. We're going to have to embrace it. And here's why. I use a triathlon watch that actually tracks my runs, determines when it's time to change my sneakers based on the rating those sneakers for running have and how many miles are on them. I think the next step is going to be it'll not only tell me that it's time for new sneakers, it'll go out to the market source the best value for that product and give me a chance to press a button and get them shipped to my house. So I watched my kids use technology and now I realize I've got to embrace it. Wow. Thank you very much. <laughs> happy, happy walking, running and jumping. Terry, 60 seconds. What's your prediction? Go ahead, Terry Ammon. Okay. I'm going to be quick and to the point. I, uh, I predict that by 2025, we're going to see at least 10 to 20% of companies today will actually uh, no longer exist due to the lack of focus on experience, experience management, experience delivery. Um, and that's my prediction for 2025. Thank you very much. And I predict that this will be a fab regarded as a fabulous debut episode for this brand new series. I'm going to bend over so we can see the banner changing the game with Next Generation Partnering presented by SAP. Mike, I can't thank you enough. Terry, I can't thank you enough. All the work you both put into preparing for the topic. And we also have thanks to our engineer, Matt Widener at Voice America Business Channel. Thank you, Matt. And a special thank you to the lady I spoke with first about starting the series, Sarah Dolan, who apparently is out on what we call mat leave, and Dennis McHugh is where has been working with her, and David McCatmini. I hope I McCat McCatmini. 
David, forgive me. We love you anyway. And I want to thank both of you, all three of you for, and Sherry Meyer. I haven't spoken to Sherry in years and here she is. She works at Rising now. We met at, when she was at ASUG and she was on radio with me years ago. So Sherry, thank you. And a lot of people who helped to make this possible. So I'm going to do my standard closing here. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. My car is getting two months to the gallon. How's yours doing? Game changer today, just like Mike Maiolo at Rising. Thank you, Mike. Such a pleasure to meet you and speak with you. And Terry Hammond at SAP. Terry, very great gratitude for both of you. Everybody wave goodbye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.